There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Falling Pieces. I'm Sean Fangirl-S. A podcast dedicated to the NBC series Debris. I'm Steve. Exclusively on the Fangirl Zone, I'm Terry. Well, we have some ratings news for last week's episode. Episode 7 brought in a 2.62 million viewers with a 0.40 rating in adults 18 to 49. So it crept <laughs> up slightly. So... Terry doesn't sound too happy with those numbers, though. Right. No, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm unenthused. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't well, think they're bad. It's better than some that we've seen that, especially yeah. with some shows that have actually yeah. stuck around a long time. You're like, how? Your ratings are horrible. And uh, so seeing this, I'm like, mm, it's not bad. So I'm hoping they, they give it a chance and keep it going. Yeah. And it depends on what peacock's numbers are because we don't see those so if people are watching it the next day on peacock then that 2.62 could definitely be much larger so true very true and i don't know if they're able to pull the numbers from like if they're watching it on the app right or anything like that because i know there's plenty of ways to watch yeah anymore yeah so Let's jump in for our next segment. Initial reactions beyond beyond our numbers here. What are your initial reactions? Terry? I think I like initials. I think they're helpful and um, <laughs> they are extreme space savers, you know. Uh, so I think that uh, we should stick around and keep using initials. Uh, they're good. Uh, I did. Uh, message these guys when I was watching because I'm like, oh my god, what the hell? <laughs> like, alright, which I, I'm i sure everybody knows what part I'm talking about already, so oh yeah, uh, I, I liked it. I thought it got a little bit more crazy sci-fi-ish and I feel like it did really go more fringy like Super X-Files kind of way, so I was enjoying that. Steve, what about you? It definitely felt fringe i mean we've got everybody in their own little groups now you've got dr jones who's had a piece of his brain removed apparently or damaged sounds familiar sounds like walter mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see that would make finola peter and brian olivia which that kind of fits <laughs> 
Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of. And we have yep. something that Dr. Jones knows is a game changer, but can't remember. That's Walter all over the place. And, of course, our creep-tastic uh, <laughs> guy who was supposed 13. to pick him up was, uh, <laughs> we don't know who the heck this guy is right now. Mm. So, yeah, this was a game-changing episode, that's for sure. Yes. I don't know. Like I said, we're at episode eight. We only get 13 of them. It's like, That's the guess, how? at least. I don't think we've heard that definitely. Uh, no. That's what they have listed on IMDb. I know okay. how that changes basically right. all the time, but it it kind of uh yeah, it's like oh, what does this mean? Where are we going? Because I feel like we're getting into like major plot points now. So right. Hello. We are recapping season one, episode eight, Spaceman. And our first group of pieces include a woman. In a hospital gown, in distress, running through the country. And you go, what? I thought it was Dee Dee at first. Did you really? Because, like, I, it's like it didn't focus on her face right away. Right. And she had uh, hair that yeah. would have that yeah. seen Dee Dee same, have the same hairstyle. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I so, I that. thought it was Dee Dee for a second. I'm like, oh, my God. What did Ferris do? <laughs> like, so immediately, like, I was already like, oh, okay, what's going on? <laughs> And she comes across an old warehouse where a man is dragging corpses and body bags outside. This can't be I don't be think good. that's good. No. <laughs> no. No. And when the guy sees that she's in there, he closes the door and radios for help. And another guy shows up. Yep. And we have a little cat and mouse between the three of them. And she thinks she's found the perfect hiding place inside one of the body bags, but is found out. I don't know how he figured it out. I mean, it was kind of, I want to say it was an obvious hiding place, but it's not like he was looking at each bag. So how do you figure out which one it was? Yeah. (laughs) So he starts (laughs) unzipping the bag and she comes flying out and basically passes right through the guy. Whoa. Yeah, holy crap. <laughs> and that he was a really just good effect. kind of falls over and dies. Well, yeah. <laughs> you if you had a body a... bag stuck in you, you'd drop dead too. Uh, thank you, Terry. <laughs> yeah. They mind right there. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I think the bag's probably stuck in his lungs and yeah. all sorts of other organs. And we that see... was so weird. Yes, I, I loved it. It was cool, though. Yeah. Very cool. First guy, walkie-talkies, that he's dead and too far developed. He sure is. Yeah. (laughs) So we go back to Orbital, where Maddox is holding a briefing where he says, George Jones has been found and is somewhere in eastern Washington state, thanks to Ash's memories, and believes Influx likely has a base in the area called Twin Lakes. How about a good okay. cup of coffee and a slice of cherry pie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he had mentioned the Scablands, which I had to look up to see if that was really a thing. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it is. Yeah. And then as he's talking about the memories and showing pictures, he was really like nonchalant about it. Do you think everybody knows exactly how they get those memories? No. No. Because if they did, they would be horrified. 
because I was pretty horrified as he's like, yeah, you know, he's pointing to all these pictures like this comes up a lot. I'm like, oh, my God, what have you done to the poor guy? Right. I mean, I know he's the bad guy. At least that's how we think he is right now. But I'm starting to wonder already. Yeah. (laughs) They probably are thinking that, you know, they put something on his temples, you know, like prongs or something looks like a headset to extract the memories as he's thinking about them. And that's how he's getting these images. But I don't think that, yeah, I really don't think that they would know exactly about, you know, the metal plate in the head. Right. No, no. So after the breeding, after the briefing, Maddox brings Brian into his office and tells him he doesn't want Finola used tactically on the mission because he wants Jones killed. Oh, damn. Yeah. What? (laughs) <laughs> this is not good. Nope. And Brian is not too happy about this. Not one bit. You know what? That made me feel better about Brian. Right. Yeah. And of course, yeah. Maddox uses an old mission in Afghanistan to try to convince Brian that this is what needs to be done. But not for one minute did I believe that Brian was going to go through with this. I really didn't. I no. was questioning. I didn't think he'd go through with it. I think he would be like, oh, I tried, but she was there, you know, like trying to make some BS up. Right. But when he brought up the mission, I'm like, is that the mission where Maddox saved his life? And then as this played out, I'm starting to wonder exactly how his life was saved. Right. Could be, could be a separate one where Brian was forced to kill somebody that he questioned. Mm. Could be that, or it could be both. It could have been that, you know, somebody he was supposed to kill and he was questioning it, or at least showed he was uncomfortable, and he could have been injured. Could have been, you know, a combination of both. I kind of thought it was something separate, but I thought the same thing you did, uh, Sean. You know, is that the mission he got injured? But I, I tend to lean towards it was a separate thing where. You know, Brian was being put in the same situation he is here. Yep. And while Brian is dealing with Maddox, Finola gets a call from Ferris, mm. who informs her that they have operatives in place to stop the orbital convoy after Jones has been located, and a plane will take her and her father back to England. Yeah, she is trying to get Finola back to England, like, real any necessary. Yeah. And even brings up that Dee Dee's been arrested on drug charges as well. Gee, how did that happen? Yeah. (laughs) Mm. You know, when this whole thing about her father being alive first popped up, even Brian was saying to Maddox, well, shouldn't she go back home? Right. Because this is, you know, that that is her dad. This is a family thing. Um, And I think... um, I think Ferris addressed it, too, in the same episode or the one after it. I'm not sure. But, yeah, all of a sudden now it was like, got to get you back home. Right. And 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 and, and we got a plane, and it's going to bring you and your dad back home, and we're going to cut off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't think she'd ever set foot on <laughs> British soil if she'd gotten on that plane. If she okay. did, she'd have a, a MI6 or local authority escort off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so when the two do manage to get together, they tell each other about the plans, and neither one of them are real happy about it. 
No. Vanola was super pissed. Oh, well, of course. They Maddox is going to kill her dad? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And Brian is still sitting there going, how do I get myself into this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I seen Brian trying to play it out like, okay, there's got to be something. What the heck is it? Why are they doing it? It's like, right. he's still trying to reason, mm-hmm. but I think Fanola was right. It's like, you keep asking, but there doesn't have to be a reason for them to just, well, be jackasses, you know, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think she was genuinely taken by surprise about what, Brian said was Maddox's intention. Right. I think she probably suspected that maybe the CIA wasn't going to give him up. They wanted to keep him for their own, you know, and 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 poke and prod him with all kinds of questions and not let MI6 have access and maybe not let her have access to him. I think maybe she thought that was going to be the worst of it. Right. So I'm wondering it- if somehow like if they did bring him in, it was going to lead back to Maddox ultimately, and like his relationship with Influx, right? Could be or whoever he's dealing with, and the Russians may not be Influx; they just may be, you know, Russian. another opposing party. Yeah, yeah, sucking down some vodka, but uh, <laughs> it's good vodka. What the hell? But yeah, she seemed surprised at first, and then right into being really PO'd. I have a feeling you can extend it, but from a writing perspective, I would see this as a turning point for Brian regarding Maddox. I think this was going to be something that is going to stick with him that might not push him all the way to saying, okay, Fanola, you're right, we can't trust Maddox either. Uh, But I think this is a huge nudge in that direction. If not just a flat out shove. Yeah. That's what I was I, thinking is more of a yeah, shove. <laughs> shove. Yeah. I, I see this as a as a turning point here. You know, right. not not full 180, but yeah, because yeah. Maddox doesn't explain his reasoning or anything. It's just Mm-mm. you gotta kill him. Yeah, He's this like, is what trust me. I'm sorry, I think I need more than trust me for you telling me I gotta kill somebody. Right. Yeah, Brian Brian's questioning. He says, Well, this is what's gonna happen. In other words, you know, take your medicine and eat it. Right. You know, it's like, damn. You aren't the only one that knows. There's another part of the team, another guy on the team that actually knows this plan as well. So you get the feeling that Maddox doesn't completely trust Brian right now either. I don't think he would. I mean, from a good guy, you know, from our perspective, yeah, he shouldn't. Because, yeah, Brian is now starting to not be the manipulated puppet. Uh, but yeah, if I was in his shoes with his intentions, yeah, I wouldn't trust Brian either. Right. Sure. I wouldn't. And and he didn't do that. Apparently, he, I wouldn't tell everybody on the team, not just, you know, don't tell Fanola, but everybody on the CIA's team uh, about it, but tell at least one other. Sure. He always wants that backup. Yeah. 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 So um Our next group of pieces are with the woman from the warehouse as the convoy is uh, heading up that direction. Uh, She briefly appears and looks like she runs through the convoy, just like she shot through the guy in the warehouse. Right. So Brian looks around on the ground. Excellent training, by the way. He notices a puddle of water and there's a disturbance in it. And I'm thinking earthquake or Jurassic Park. So since neither cropped up, you know, I knew what he was doing when I saw it, but he's seeing the disturbance. So he looks around, he grabs a handful of dirt 
and kind of throws it over arm in front of him. And we see this woman briefly appear, and then she blinks in again. Now she's fully uh, visible. Whoa, what a neat trick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an invisibility cloak. Dig it. So the woman's standing right there, and uh, they look at her, and they notice that she has a piece of debris embedded under her skin on her neck. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, when I seen it, I was like, it's all, I mean, you see, like, it's all red there. It's like, is that just from the surgery, or is it yeah. trying yeah, to make its way out of her? <laughs> well, that would be interesting. Hmm. I think it's a surgery, but I like that second part. That's... Let me out of here. Let me out of here. I'm all, it's all dark in here. Um, or however they say it in their language. So uh, Finola figures out that the piece is working through micro vibration, like in New York, and it makes Such this a headache. Yeah, and it makes this woman's atoms vibrate so fast. Where have we seen it on what show before? Yes. That she that she appears invisible. Um, I would want that piece out. Because if you're, we've seen all the different shows that we, I was going to say Fringe, but there's a lot of shows in sci-fi that deal with this. You you screw your atoms around too many times, you're going to be gelatin. Yeah. Not going to work out. So uh, anyway, the woman says people were doing experiments on her and others. And he shows her a picture of Ash. She recognizes him as being at this facility where they were doing the experiments. But she does not recognize the picture of George Jones. Uh, she says he could have been there. There were a lot of people going in and out, but she only recognizes Ash. And then as they're getting ready to put her in the car to uh, take her somewhere where they can take care of her, get that piece out, yes. Um, the woman says she doesn't know where the ball of light is. That was weird. Yeah. And Finola tells Brian just after that, about another case in Pennsylvania where a man asked her about a ball of light, too. That's not a case that we've seen yet, is it? Or is my memory... No, not yet. Okay. Okay. Okay, I was just thinking I forgot it. Yeah. We actually what see I it a little bit later in this episode. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, I was... At first, I was like, Pennsylvania, wait a minute. Uh, did we do that already? <laughs> what, yeah, what that was the uh, clone episode. Yeah. Yeah. So now we go to Ferris calling that MI6 agent who delivered the memory stick to Finola. I love him as Thomas Jerome Newton. I found out, I looked around, his name is Brill. Right. Um, and he, uh, and, and she tells him that she's sending some satellite coordinates of the convoy. So Convenient. Yep. She's got, like she told Finola, she's got people in place. And then before he leaves... Uh, to go intercept the convoy, another guy with him says he's got to go fix his face. I was trying to figure out why he was standing out in the rain anyway. Right. And then this next part, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> First off, I thought the guy had like some issues because, you know, if you're an adult, I think anybody any age should do this. But if you're an adult and you're standing with your head back in the rain, as long as it's not like a torrential downpour, and you're just letting the drops hit your face, that's a neat thing. And I thought, well, maybe he's, you know, just trying to be like a little kid for a moment. You know, maybe that was his stress reliever. <laughs> you know, that's what I first thought. So I think maybe because of the rain, he had to fix his face, or maybe his face might have felt warm 
and the drops felt cool. Who knows? Right. And he he goes into this little compartment area, this little mini lab, uh, mobile lab, and he takes the skin off the face of the real Brill, and he overlays it on his own face. He does like a skin graft. Yeah. That was so messed up. That's what I was uh, when I was messaging them because I'm like, oh my god, it's like Repo the Genetic Opera. Please yeah. stop. <laughs> oh, is that what you? Oh, I'm sitting there going, what the hell is that all about? <laughs> oh yeah, I if you, you haven't watched that, I haven't seen it. That's up. why I didn't catch it. So, totally so when he up. started, totally when he it. started, yeah, when he started cutting, it looked like he was around the jawline. So I thought he's going to cut because to me it just looked like that one patch on his cheek. Right. Yes. On on the so, side of his face. So I thought he's cutting out a patch on the cheek and he's going to do like a little mini skin graft. And the next thing you know, it's like the whole damn face. Right. Uh, and I'm like, he's going to look like uh, Two-Face from the Batman movies from The Dark Knight <laughs> in a minute here. Holy crap. So uh, that was creepy. That was very creepy. Leatherface. Do you think that the real Brill is the guy laying on the table? I do. Not I, the guy. I, do. I think it's a clone because... That would be mm -hmm. the only way it could keep regenerating skin. That's what I was thinking. That even if the guy who we think is Brill isn't Brill, the one on the table isn't the real one. Right. I think so. I don't. I think mm. the real Brill is the one that keeps putting the skin grafts on. Makes me wonder what's wrong with his face. Well, that's yeah. That would are be they like... all going to slide off? One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we go with that. Like... that... Too close to a fire, it might right. melt his face <laughs> off. Oh, yeah, we said s'mores, not lose your face. Come yeah. on, get with the program. Um, all right, so yeah, that would be the question. What's wrong with his face if you go with that? Now I'm thinking, well, you're probably right. Yeah, maybe that he is the real Brill and the one laying down as a clone. I mean, your skin grows back, but the question is, how often does he have to fix his face? Right. Well, you seem it, like those scar lines from where he was cutting on the the one laying down right so but that still that still doesn't out. yeah i did see that too that still doesn't say who's real and who's the clone but you know that actually kind of makes yeah if you could genetically engineer your clone to grow skin back faster than you know because like when you get a cut your skin heals together right and even if you have a little scar there your your skin comes back together and heals itself so depends how quickly he needs it. If it's with some regularity, I I would say, yeah, you're probably right. Flip what I said, that that's the clone on the gurney. Yeah, that makes more sense. But it was still freaking creepy. Ugh. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, it's not even freaking Halloween and there's no houses around there to go trick or treat at. <laughs> so Finola uh, on some satellite images finds a lake. And it turns out that at that lake, there used to be a pumping plant years ago. Obviously, that's gone. And so they're walking around, and it's kind of hilly right near the edge of the lake. And I forget a comment one of the team members makes, but Brian says they're walking on top of it. So apparently, their holding up place is underground. Right. So I was like, ooh, I like that. So they find the entrance. And uh, this kind of surprised me because... Um, Maddox had said he didn't want Finola in tactically. Brian and a team member enter, and then Finola and her team member come in behind them. That surprised me. I right. thought for sure they were going to stay out. And, you know, in case anybody, in case they needed to call them in for backup or if anybody was escaping, they could stop them at the door. But they went in, 
And they're looking around all these different uh, control rooms and different rooms. And Finola goes into one room that has chalkboards. I was thinking Walter again. Yes. Um, <laughs> Finola finds chalkboards that are filled with co- mega complex equations in her father's handwriting. And uh, what was the one word? I forgot to put it in the notes that she seemed to focus on. I don't know if that told her it was her Rocket. father's hand. Rocket. That's what right. it was. So I don't know if it was that one word. Because the camera kind of closed in on that. Yep. Or if it was just the whole the whole thing together. Was it? I but think she's... that was probably the the thing that verified it for her that yeah. it was her father. Yeah, that that one word. Yep. So she tells Brian that's her father's handwriting. I was like, oh damn. Now I really didn't think that they were going to find her father. Just to kind of put the jump ahead here, but woo-hoo. so they rescue a man and a woman who are on gurneys. Clearly, that they're experiment subjects. And they get them out of there. Then they approach a man who's at a console. And he had this real cool, like, shiny white or silvery thing, like, floating in front of him. Yeah, the ball of light. Yeah. A ball of light. Yeah, you know, and I was like, oh, I like that. Ooh, (laughs) could I have that for my Christmas tree? Ooh, I like that. And uh, he turns around and trips the alarm. And um, She thought it was her dad because of the hair. Right. Yeah, that's what they were going for. And oh, man, so he, he took, moved fast to hit that alarm. Hits yeah. that alarm. And those uh, other people were there lickety split. And it's like you walked into the room from a hallway, but they're th- they come in right there. I mean, how the hell did you miss them? Right. <laughs> you know, how did they miss you? They were in a side closet. I like, guess. You know, waiting to be called like a Roomba. Smoking some doobies. <laughs> yeah, they were smoking some doobies and doing a Zumba class. Um <laughs> So uh, Fanola gets shot. Turns out it's just a graze wound on her arm. And hiding down underneath, the, between a bed and a cabinet or whatever that was, she finds her father. I was surprised. I really didn't think that she was going to find him. I didn't think they were going to have that reunion in the show yet. Right. Not even just this episode, in the show yet. So, But she did find him, and they have a really nice moment together. So... um in comes one of the team members. He approaches, and he's ready to kill George Jones. Had Fanola uh, not known, she wouldn't have thought, you know, about this guy coming in at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, she wouldn't have gotten in front of him. And But she does. Yeah, I'm glad and, she did. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so Brian is like, well, this is really too wacky here, too fast. So he tries to calm everybody down. And he's then he tells Finola to put her gun down. And I'm thinking, if I was just finding my dad, hell no, I'm not putting because this guy's pointing up his weapon at my dad. Right. And now me, because I'm in front of him. So then it turns out that this first team member shoots the second one. This kind of reminded me of last week with the mind control. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's the old saying of rats will eat each other kind of a thing uh this is kind of like that like even people within a team that maddox sends out you know will are perfectly willing to kill somebody of the of the same team you know so the guy who shoots the other team member that's clearly the one that maddox told right about what what to do so uh he shoots the uh, first one and then a shootout ensues I really, I love shootouts in tight spaces. I think that's really that to me adds to the tension. Um, and then Brian Finola Jones and the one team member, 
the one good guy team member who later dies, they all escape. They get out of there. I didn't think they were going to, but. Now that guy who got shot that yeah. didn't die right away was the one that Ferris told Finola that he knows the plan, right? Right. I think so. Because one person on each team basically knew the plan yeah. other than yeah. our, our main crew. Correct. Okay. Yep. yep. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So uh, Finola begs Brian to tell Maddox they never found her father. I mean, she's pleading with him. She gets out of the car. Uh, or I don't know if she got in it and she just walked away from it, whatever. But she's pleading with him. Don't tell Maddox. Because we're the only two that know. Yeah. Nobody else saw the father, so he can't report on what he doesn't know. Or and what I he kept never thinking, saw. what if they use that thing on you guys? Yeah. If they don't believe you. Yeah, put that metal. Oh, Jesus. Like that. Yeah, I'm trying to drink. Tuning forks going in your head. That's all I'm I got trying to I'm trying to drink my coffee here. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the face thing didn't get you, but the tuning no. fork in the head does? No. Okay. No. Because I'll tell you why. I saw the film Hannibal, the sequel to The Silence of the Lambs, and there's a scene in there with Ray Liotta. I won't give it away, but it's something, it's it's a heady scene. And as creepy as that was, I was enjoying the creep out I got from it. So this face thing was like, oh, that's really creepy and sick, but I wasn't like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that thing in the skull, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. Oof. <laughs> Oh, good God. Give me give me a vaccine shot any day instead of that. What the hell? <laughs> so uh, Brian goes back in. Now, this I thought was kind of weird why they had him do this. I mean, they kind of explain he goes in to get a piece of equipment that has surveillance information in there. So I guess that's to not let Maddox or um, Ferris see any surveillance of them getting out right. with the father. Yep. Because when he first goes in, because I think Finola mentions about surveillance before yes. he goes in. Yep. And I didn't catch it. And when he goes back in, I'm like, why the hell are you going back in and by yourself? Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, you know, it's like have somebody else, but your only backup is bleeding right now. Uh, and Finola obviously would want to stay with him and her father. And then he goes and gets this piece of equipment and then he's unplugging stuff. And bad. I was like, Really? And then when he carries the piece out, for some reason, not until that moment when I see him carrying it out, I was like, oh, that's what she meant. Okay. I don't know why it didn't click, but I'm watching him go back in. I'm like, dude, get the hell out of that. You made it out. You win. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You know, so, uh, so yeah, they all get out and he gets the equipment and then what? Well, I feel like that was a smart move, though, because oh, yeah. they can try to see everything else that's been on that surveillance mm -hmm. like what they did to all these people so maybe yeah. we're gonna find more information out yeah the but, two of them go somewhere to download the info yep yeah but who knows because there's more things happening than we know oh you know? my <laughs> moving to our next group of pieces which i thought was interesting by the way we didn't see any actual pieces this episode right well the one in the neck but that was it yeah, but they didn't take it out. So, well, not in front of your. What do you got to watch the surgeon? Oh, you're freaked yeah, out about the I want to see them. But you I want to see them slice her open and pull I out a metal see Dorito. Them set up the poles around her and mess oh, with them. Good yeah. lord. <laughs> Anywho. What kind of malarkey is that? 
I'm a weird person. Today, boys and girls, Sesame Street was brought to you by the letters B and S. (laughs) (laughs) Brian calls Maddox. And I'm glad he sounded a little bit stressed out, kind of panicked. He says, Jones wasn't there. I don't know. You had bad intel. But you know what? Fanola got shot. So I'm taking taking her somewhere to get fixed up. I'll call you back. And just like hung up. I thought when he said to you that it, it's not my problem. That's yours. It's like, damn. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. About time, Brian. Yeah. Yes. There you go. A little snap back there. I loved it. But he, I think in this moment, he really played it well. And and especially letting him know that Fanola got shot because he didn't say how or where or how bad it was. Right. right. So Maddox wouldn't think anything about Brian's tone. Right. You know, especially if Maddox has been in battle with them, you know, you you know that if one of your people gets shot, you're not going to be talking like, yeah, I don't know. It's bad intel, man. I guess we'll just have to figure it out. Yeah. You're not going to be cool about it. That's all. Exactly. I'm exactly. Yeah. But I was but, surprised he he said that, and I yes. get, and at you know when the episode ended, and I thought back to that scene, I thought you know I really shouldn't have been because of everything that happened the last couple episodes, mostly the last one especially, and then earlier on in this episode, I really shouldn't have been, but I was surprised, and he calls, and I was like, oh, what's he gonna say? Uh, he wasn't there. I was like, whoa! So. I I wasn't sure that was going to actually happen but i, I was happy uh, yeah me too Fanola, yep. right after brian gets off the phone gets a call from someone named trish but we find out it's actually Dee, Dee who tells her that ferris forced her to make that phone call and she's really adamant about getting her back home yep and i will say i am very happy that the dad had the grace to not talk because i think Dee, Dee would have been like uh who was that? Right. <laughs> like you pick up on it real quick. Yep. I thought he was going to talk. I was like, oh, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do yes, it, Dad. I'm yeah. Like, Please don't. <laughs> we don't even know exactly who and what you are yet. And she so, even said, she even said to Finola that Ferris had told her Finola was in some kind of serious trouble. Right. She's like, you okay? You know, and all this. So she's playing on both of their emotions, obviously. And Fanola at least has the state of mind to say, stay with Trish, stay away, get out, basically. Don't let her know where you are. Turn off your phone. She can track it. And I'm thinking, okay, but did you guys turn off your phones? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Just that's minor detail. Yeah. Fanola then presses her father about how the heck are you alive? What's up with that? And from what he understands, he was taken from the morgue and reanimated. Say what? Mm-hmm. Oh, and they can only do that once per person. Now, this is where I was wondering if what Maddox said to Brian earlier came into play. You know, that Brian went into the heavy fire and everything, followed his orders without question, and Maddox saved his life. Did they, I was thinking, did they reanimate Brian? And that's why he was getting the shot. Uh, that would make some sense with what. George is saying now right about himself. Yeah, actually, yep. yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. That fits in kind of nicely. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. is Brian not Brian? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't seem to have any uh, memory issues that we've uh, seen so far. So 
that's well, something. I mean, these guys apparently weren't very elegant because they went in through his eye, right? Which is yeah, it's kind of a droopy eye. That's and... like doing a lobotomy. What the yeah. hell? Yeah, I was like, I was me. thinking that because I'm like, didn't they used to go through like right on the mm-hmm. inside of the eye? It's like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, with a big pick and a hammer. Yep. Oh God. I know. <laughs> mm. And uh, George is talking about how it hit his. I think he said hippocampus. Hippocampus. Yep. Which kind of messes with long and short-term memory, so great. That's going to help out so much, I'm sure. But Fanola does jumped. start to freak. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go on. No, you, you were going back to where I was saying you skipped. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, because you've been in there and you were, you, know, you guys were talking about lobotomy, I'm just like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm sure that's going to help so much, you know, as we get there. Fanola starts to freak out and says, you know what? Uh, no, pull over, pull over. We are not taking him to the convoy. We are not take or the caravan, whatever, to get him out because everybody's a liar. And she, right. I like this actress, but I feel like at this point, you could have had a breakdown and everybody would have been cool with it. Like they had her a little more restraint, I think, than I would have been. I thought she was because pretty. Been like, they're lying. I would have tears coming out. Be like, I thought she was pretty manic. I didn't think she I mean, was pulling it in. They're not going to have her swearing, but I'd been like, F you and F you and F them. <laughs> yeah, there would have been a lot of F bombs happening. <laughs> so she was pretty well restrained. I don't know. I thought she was kind of letting loose. Yeah, she seemed like she was kind of not fully losing grip, but she was putting her you know, down. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, this is, everybody's like lying. So, nobody's getting nothing, <clears throat> you know, kind of a thing. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I think at this point when they get out, she gets out of the car. Thankfully, George doesn't. Because again, if they have satellites, they're probably going to find them or him. something. Yep. And Brian gets out and she she's like, listen, this is what happened with Dee Dee's phone call. So I don't think anybody's telling us the truth. I don't trust any of them. Not one lick. So interesting because then we get to see brill send ferris a message that the convoy is a no-show how many roads are going there i figured there's only like one or two right so would they go off road yeah no, they probably just went in the opposite direction of the way they were supposed to go to meet the convoy yep ah that makes sense i mean they, they have they have access to satellite um information too, uh brian and finola so they could go find another road to get out of there from yeah, Google Maps is great. <laughs> they end up holding up in a motel. I'm like, oh, no tell motel. And <laughs> Jones is telling them what he remembers. How his hippocampus, I can't say it. I just said it. <laughs> you just said it right the first time. Is... Yeah, his hippopotamus. <laughs> yeah. Maybe mine's damaged. I don't know. You want a hippopotamus for Christmas? Is that what it is? <laughs> Uh, Brian says Maddox wants you dead, and he's like, "Huh, interesting." Mm. Not that I'm I'm sad about it. If he dies too, if we all die, it's like, wait, what? I thought he took. Now there's something I thought somebody took it too casually. Right. I you know I didn't think Finola was restrained, but him sitting there like, well, I'm not really surprised by that, and he's like pressing the sheets on the bed flatter. I'm like, dude, why aren't you freaking out? Everything you've been, and maybe because of everything you've right. been through, you uh, know, but I was, why. yeah. Because a little later, he does get a little freaked. He does. Yeah. A he little? seemed to have, 
I don't know. I don't want to say OCD, but it was like you were saying like he's, you know, mm-hmm. doing the thing with the sheets and then later yeah. with the curtains and yeah. like, what is going on? Well, figure he's being overly cautious, too, if it's not OCD, because of everything he's been through. Right. Ah, You know, he knows that they're at that little motel, not for a vacation that they're trying. They're in hiding right now. So everything he's been through and all the kinds of you can imagine threats to his life, I'm sure, uh, have happened all this time. He's like, I got to watch every little step I make. Right. So yeah, this was like the very first time Peter and Olivia took Walter to an actual operation that yeah he was way overly <laughs> cautious of being watched yep. or caught or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. So if not OCD, definitely anxiety pangs. I can see that. Yeah. 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 And it was interesting because as Jones goes on, he does say that Influx knows as much, if not more, about the alien tech than MI6 and the CIA. Ooh. How do they know so much? How I many people have I... they been taking? Yeah. And he asked about Dr. Ligari. And Fanola, like, he suffered a stroke. You visited him. Don't you remember? Like, no. And again, really calm about it. So maybe there's a little bit more damage than we know. Right. And Influx is looking for a dangerous piece of debris. It's a game changer. And if mm. found, all the deaths would be irrelevant. So that's why it doesn't matter if he wants me dead or you dead or all of us dead. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's kind of like fatalistic Oprah. And you get killed. And you get killed. Right? And you get killed. And you get killed. <clears throat> Listen, Yay. Willy Wonka, we don't need this part, okay? <laughs> Just saying. George says he was forced to build a device to track the dangerous piece. And he doesn't think he finished it, but he thinks he did enough so that they can do it themselves. But he can't remember what it's supposed to do. That's not good. Right. Or what the piece is. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's that's probably what I. Yeah. Because when he said he can't remember what it would do, I was like, well, you just said it was to track the piece. But I think that last comment was. Yeah, I think it's the piece do what the piece would do. Yeah, because when he first said that, I was like, he just said what it would do. Yeah. And I thought he meant the machine, you know, the device. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was just weird because it's like, okay, he remembers it, but he doesn't. But then it's like, okay, well, no, I get it. People with like short term memory issues. I mean, you can understand that you can see in a way and it's sad that he with that. Damage to the hippocampus, which he said is your link between your long and short-term memories. You can see that he's worn he's worn down from everything he's been through, and he's kind of, if he's not there already, he's turning the corner of resolving himself to the damage to me is permanent. Mm-hmm. That I may not ever be able, now they may make it, a, that he can do that later in the show, later in the series, but... He's kind of resolving himself, not resolving, resigning himself to the fact that, well, this is it. And this is what I got. You know, I got one eye that works because uh, I'm assuming the other eye is just a, a fake one. It doesn't do anything. And um, I've got this long and short term memory blockage that I don't know how to fix it. So you can see that it's he's kind of very he's a sad person, a sad human being dealing with that that's the sense i got from him it's like he's 
dealing with all these emotions. We're going to get into another very emotional piece here in a second. But he's dealing with all these emotions. He's been threatened. He's got to wrap his mind around. He was reanimated. What? Yeah. You know, I mean, if someone did that to me, I'd, you know, even if they didn't do anything to my eye or whatever, I'd be like, why? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I feel like it's almost his emotions aren't aren't quite there either. No. Especially no. with what happens next. So I'm wondering if it has something to do with, yes, he was supposed to have killed himself. And why did they, like you said, why did they reanimate him? Because mm-hmm. if he wanted out and away from this, and I think that makes more sense that his emotions are just kind of like, just not there right now. It was almost like a Buffy the Vampire vampire slayer when they brought her back to life and she is kind of like out of it for a while and then there's one scene where she's telling spike you know about when she had died i was happy there and they pulled me back uh yeah you know which is like you'd figure the person would be happy that they're alive again and with their friends and she just says that which is like whoa you know, she, they brought me back to this or whatever the line is. So I'm thinking he's kind of going through the same thing, you know, almost like what a sole survivor of a tragedy would think. Why me? Yeah. And so you can see that, you know, he's got so much of the weight of the world on his shoulders. And then I this see scene, it in this next moment. Yeah. And the scene with Finola you're going to talk about is just like, oh, my God, like like there isn't enough to deal with. I don't right. mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying now this. Because Finola ends up taking him to a different room right next door. So he has a room to stay in. And I'm thinking, don't most hotels have double beds? But okay. Mm-hmm. And Finola tells her father, I don't know how you could have left the family. And he's talking to her kind of like not like not connecting. It's like, yeah, okay, I just want sausage on my pizza is what it sounded like almost. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, your mother left. left and... You know, Orbital was straying from my original purpose, and they were taking it away. And Finola says, I wish there was room in your life for, for me and for anything uh, aside from your work. Yeah. And then he just kind of looks at her. And like I said, it was just he was so flat emotionally there. And see, but like, I the think future, he did. The future. The future. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think he goes to the future because that's something he can wrap his language around. Because you, if you notice... What he said when he was talking about restoring balance, the words he used, the meter of his of his speech changed, and it was almost like he, not so much giving a lecture, but th- that's a concept that he could wrap his head around. He could talk about very freely, more scholarly, more scholarly ish. Yeah, and I think that's. But his whole vocal pattern when he started to get into future restoring balance, so on and so forth. It changed. Mm-hmm. And I think the the emotional piece, maybe that's also part of his brain damage, or maybe he's been through so much, you know, I don't know what to do with emotions, or it could be, you know, like a Doctor Who thing, like regeneration. It's like not everything is up to snuff yet. Right. You know, things are still rebooting, I guess you might call it. Yeah. So, or maybe he's I mean, always been emotionally distant. Right. I mean, that, yeah. You kind of got the same kind of feeling from several of the Walter and Peter talks when Peter's trying to ask, you know, what have you done and and why did you do this? And Walter kept trying to change the subject and avoid Mm -hmm. an emotional conversation. And this is the same thing Jones was doing. 
He says, this has got to happen first. Then we can do this. You know, just deflect, deflect, deflect. Exactly. Because he exactly. doesn't want to talk about not being a horrible father. <laughs> and Walter would do that also because he could talk about the science yes. stuff yep. much more easily. Yep. You know, certain topics to different people come more naturally, you know, to talk about them than other things do. And I think the father might have left the family because he was uh, detached already. I think Steve brought that up. The one thing I thought was interesting, I don't know if they're going to make anything out of this, because maybe you guys already made that leap, because I don't remember being explicitly said. But when he tells uh, Finola that the mother was gone, so he to me, he was so flatlined. It was like, I lost everything. Right. And when a person tells you that and they feel that deeply, they're going to appear flatline emotionally. So he says the mother was gone, his wife. Then he says Orbital was straying from my original purpose. Right. Now, originally, Finola in the first episode tells Brian he was the first astrophysicist who was shown uh, actual debris. Right. So that means to me he was brought into either – MI6 or orbital or just the whole realm of this stuff falling to earth. But well, here yeah, he's he saying it actually was the first one to detect the ship that w was out there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he was key in starting orbital. No, not at all. So when he says was straying from my original purpose, like I said, they may not do anything. It might just be part of the reason he's so emotionally flatlined the mother and orbital. But he says was straying from my original purpose. I was like, well, that's a little more than just being the first astrophysicist to be shown stuff. That means now you're part of the formation of why Orbital's created and what it's supposed to do. Right. So does he have deeper connect? Somebody said earlier, would that be connections with Ferris or Maddox if he was brought into England? Um, is he involved or was uh, with MI6 even more so? Oh, I absolutely believe that That's, Jones yeah. had connections both with Ferris mm -hmm. and with Maddox. With Maddox, yeah. So that's, to me, that one word, like I said, could be absolutely inconsequential. The writers just used it to express his emotional destruction. Um, and kudos to the actor when he talks about the future, his speech pattern changes. But I thought from my original purpose, I thought that was interesting because I never got the impression all these episodes that he was part of the formation or at least input on the reason why uh, Orbital's created and what it's supposed to do. Right. I never got that impression at all. Uh, I thought he was just kind of let in on the big secret. And maybe he was a contributor. Right. But that's as far as it went. So this that to me was like, ooh. So I'll shut up now. <laughs> this is where all of your reaction was coming in. Got it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last thing I was going to say is finally, Jones asked Panola to get Dr. Ligari's files from Orbital so he can build a scanner because he can't remember the math. So that's interesting. Yeah. Where are you getting the parts? Right. So our final group of pieces include Brian is bandaging Finola's wound when she says she thinks she knows how to handle Ferris. This ought to mm. prove to be interesting. Yeah. So she calls Ferris and tells her Brian only told Maddox her father wasn't there, 
but that she has her father. Whoa! And she informs Ferris that Maddox wants her father dead. And of course, Ferris goes, what do you mean? I don't know about, don't know anything about that. Yeah. Although the look on her face, she did actually look surprised to me. Right. A little bit, yeah. But I'm still not buying it. Right. I was with Fanola. Yep. <laughs> so she drops the bomb to Ferris that neither Maddox nor her are getting Whoa. her father and that she knows about Dee Dee's phone call. Yeah, I was needs, surprised. Yeah, plus she needs all of Ligari's files for her father. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling Ferris is going to get that for her. Because she's holding her father as ransom to Ferris. Yes, absolutely. So you give me that, maybe I'll give you him, or she'll probably tell her, I will give you him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we see Jones talking with Brian, <laughs> and he's just starting to freak. Yeah. Somebody's coming to get him, and somebody's coming to get him. And Brian reassures him, no, I'm going to be right outside. You're safe. It's good. Mm-hmm. So we see Brian sitting in the truck, yeah. and Jones leaves the motel room, and Brian doesn't react, and you go, huh? Yeah, I'm like, uh, Brian, shouldn't you get up and follow him? Exactly. Find out where he's going. Yeah, my first thought is, we've already had the conversation. Now he's still going to decide to leave the motel? Right. <laughs> yeah. But we yeah. see him at the motel office asking for aluminum foil. Okay. Did he say aluminum? Because it sounded weird to me when he said it. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, think there was yeah. a little bit of a British accent with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, what did he ask for? I mean, I figured it out, but I'm like, he didn't yeah. say aluminum, right? He said yeah. like alumin or something. It was weird. Yeah. And we see Jones back in the motel room <laughs> with a blanket of <laughs> aluminum foil. To cover himself when he gets in the bed. I'm like, damn. I was surprised. They that was something this. Walter would do. That's for oh, damn yeah. sure. <laughs> I was just like, okay, is this like a heat blanket thing? Is he trying to make sure they can't scan for him? What is going on? I wonder I was surprised. if it has anything to do with the, the Ligari waves. If he thinks that maybe that protects him from the debris pieces somewhat. Could be. Could be. Oh, I like that. I hadn't thought of that. I was surprised the box they gave him, it was like yeah. like an industrial box like you might have in a restaurant or something right. with this enormous roll of aluminum foil in it. I was like, do you see the size of this box? I'm thinking yeah, if you I go- thought he asked for like a sheet and you know, he comes back with like the giant you know, <laughs> well, he, he, well, industrial he made, size. He made a sheet, but that's it. Yeah. yeah, right? <laughs> I'm thinking if you oh, go to the no, office. No, I didn't mean a little piece. I meant... I'm thinking if you go to the office, they're going to give you like a thing, a Reynolds wrap you get from the store. Right. And he's walking back with the box before I saw what it was. I was like, what the heck has he got now? And it's this big industrial restaurant sized package of aluminum foil in this enormous roll. I was like, what? And then it's just. If they happen to have free breakfast type stuff, then yeah, they could use a lot of aluminum foil and they're going to buy it in bulk like they buy all their supplies in bulk. Yeah, it made sense that they would have a one of those big. <laughs> oh sure, I just surprised. Aluminum pool. I was just surprised that they would have given that to him. I yeah, <laughs> never would have thought that. I was like, damn. Because, well, like I said, when he first walked back to the room, I was like, 
the heck is that? Because I'm not expecting a box that big. Right. <laughs> yeah, we used to start it like, oh, we don't have any foil, but here we have some saran wrap. Saran wrap, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wrap yourself up in that. And yeah. he just covers himself up head to toe. Yep. He doesn't that was pull just it. so weird. Yeah, he didn't pull it up like a blanket, like up to your shoulders or your chest. I mean, no. he pulled it up over his head. I was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Another Weird owl moment. I'm waiting for him to come charging in. <laughs> well, you know how we feel about this episode. We want to know how you feel. So shoot us an email at contact us at fangirlzone.com because we'd love to hear from you. And while you're at it, please rate and review us on iTunes and every other podcast platform that you find us on. Because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about this show. If they're into sci-fi, they're going to like this. I've actually started telling people, did you like X-Files? Did you like Fringe? Definitely tune into this then. Mm -hmm. And of course, we hope you're enjoying our podcast as well. And for this episode of Falling Pieces. I'm Terry, and I'll keep an eye out for you. I'm Steve. Anyone have an aluminum sheet theory? I'm Sean and Girl S. Um, hey, can you hold this bag for me? 